Why do I always get so nervous right before we start recording? Because you're weird. And now for a new episode of Bear Cubs, a naked approach to parenting. My name's T, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. For our first-time listeners, Jackie is going to fill you in on what it is we're all about. Bear Cubs is dedicated to providing support, advice, and an inclusive community for all guardians looking to tap into their natural instincts. How you doing, Jackie? I'm great, actually. Actually, you're great. Actually, I'm really great. Actually makes it sound like you're rarely ever great, and today you are finally great. Well, I'm having a particularly great day. Yeah, well, I'm sick. Do you want to know where I got sick? (laughs) Uh, Where do you think you got sick? I'm pretty sure your snotty little (laughs) one-year-old got me sick. How dare you? He literally had so much snot coming out of his his nose. His snot is made from fairy tears. Fairy tears. It's pure and beautiful. Rainbow poop and fairy tears. I just lick it up. He's so pure and beautiful. (laughs) I used to say, I love you so much, I'd drink your spit. To, to Liam, who? Oh to my, my god. That's setting him up for one. failure right there. <laughs> I know. No one will ever want to drink. He was my spit. learning my learning curve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we we messed up the first one. We're gonna start anew with this it's new so one. It's so true though. It's so true. Last week we talked about postpartum sex. Was That's there right. anything you wanted to add about that or touch base mm. on? I listened to it. And I really wanted to address the fact that it was very heteronormative, and that bothered me. That's so true. It it really was. And I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. What I did like is that we didn't use wife or husband too much. Like, we really did stick to partners Mm -hmm. and stuff. So it was a little bit more inclusive. But we didn't address the fact that... These were really, I mean, we really were talking about women who gave birth and, right. you know, their partner being a man. Like, right. really, that was what we were talking about. So, basically, I really wanted to touch base and say that we want to explore different family styles. This isn't all about, you know, straight man, people. woman. Exactly. Yeah. We really want to include other types of relationships, which means we need people who want to come on the show and talk to us about their relationships. Mm-hmm. I would love to know what a lesbian couple, how they navigate yes. and how it's different for them. And even adoptive parents as well. Yes. And you know? even the men, there are studies that show men do experience postpartum depression sometimes. So that is a thing and we would love to explore. And even if we don't find a guest right away, if you have any comments or input on this subject, please send us an email. We love when you guys do that because you guys are our resource. Which comes to a really big point. We got an email. Oh my God. We actually got an email. Open your phone so we can read it. Look at you, 4,000 emails in your email box. I can't be bothered to, like, you know, go through all my emails. 4,000! 4,209! I'm horrified. I get spammed. I am having anxiety about this. I don't have to ever see them. Oh my god. I feel like a hand is around my throat. I promise you, none of those 4,000 emails are from people that I actually know. I promise you. The fact that you have that many unread emails in your email box, it like seriously makes my... How can that be? What do you care if Walmart sends me a flyer? 4,000 emails! Oh my god. You're crazy. Okay, so let's read our email. 
from Frank Doe. <laughs> Clearly a fake name, which is cool because we appreciate anonymous yeah. feedback regardless. And it said, love the starter pack and I can't wait to see what it actually evolves into. Hopefully the format changes to allow people to email questions or interviewing having guest parents who have different views or ideas on how to tackle issues. Exactly where this is going. Exactly what our format is going to be. So thank you, Frank Doe, for emailing (laughs) in. If you have a question, Frank, feel free to email again and ask us a question. We will explore it. Anyways, we were super excited about our first official through our website. Yes, that was a a proud moment for us, for sure. So thanks, Frank. (laughs) And everybody else who will email or else. So another interesting thing that happened with last the last podcast we did with Paula was it broached the subject on boundaries. I spoke a little bit about how I've crossed boundaries or not created enough boundaries with, um, particularly with my eldest son, Liam. We're going to play you the clip because it didn't make it into the last podcast, but mm-hmm. it is relevant to this one since we are talking about boundaries boundaries here you go take a listen only had our oldest for six years so it was the three of us and he's very intertwined into our lives yeah and we often have to sit him down and say this isn't for you this is your dad and i Mm -hmm. we will this we are discussing it we'll make the decision he liam my oldest feels very much like he's in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. and I see now as he ages how that's a problem. In that clip, mm-hmm. I felt like you were talking about a few different boundaries. Yes. You were talking about boundaries with your son, like mm-hmm. setting up boundaries for Liam. But you were also talking about boundaries for yourself a little bit. Yeah, I have trouble setting boundaries. That's actually my mantra for the new year is to create firm boundaries while still being kind. And I've always had trouble doing that. And I definitely see that with raising my kids. And I've seen that play out with my oldest son. So I talked a little bit about how I cross boundaries with Liam and that is anything from him. You know how some babies like play with your nipples when you're breastfeeding? Yes, and that's a Timber super was common... a nipple tweeter. Yeah, it's a super common thing. I let that go on a, a bit too long and just to spare my son, I won't say what age, but it was... A, he's a... not still doing it. No, he's not still doing it. That would be something entirely different. <laughs> but, but it definitely went on a little too long and for the last year that it was happening, I was super uncomfortable. I did not like it. It was the only way he could go to sleep. I did not not set a healthy boundary there. I think this is a hugely important thing to explore. Parents who let their children do things to them that they're not comfortable with. I'm talking about jumping on you, pulling mm-hmm. your hair, wrestling with you, even speaking to you in a certain manner, calling you by, like some parents don't like like to be called by their name, mm-hmm. by their kids. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that you don't like, but you allow your child, child to do because you don't want to set those boundaries. Yeah. And the reason we don't like to do it is a little thing called permissive parenting. And it's because we don't want to hurt our child's feelings. We don't want to have them mad at us. We don't want them to feel like what they're doing is wrong. But here's the thing. Children need to know you have limits 
because they need to know everybody has limits and learning consent and understanding limits start in the home. That's right. Just like your child has limits. I'm sure your child said no or stop to Mm -hmm. you before. Teaching boundaries and the limit setting starts really from day one. I mean, before the age of two, you can teach boundaries by leading by example. And then when they get to preschool age, then they're able, developmentally able to comprehend the word no and what that means. Obviously, nipple tweaking made you uncomfortable. You wanted to stop it, but you you didn't for a long time. How did you end up stopping it? Did you just wait till it naturally played its course? I did. I mean, I gently nudged when it just, when he was starting to lose interest Mm -hmm. towards the end there. And I just gently redirected him. Mm -hmm. But I never stated, I never told him, I don't like that. I don't want you doing that. It makes me uncomfortable. Why not? The thing, the first time around with parenting with me and Liam, I never wanted him to be uncomfortable. And I always fussed over him. I always wanted him to, to feel loved. I was always concerned that he wasn't feeling love 24 7 in retrospect you understand that that was setting him up for failure because nobody feels love 24 7 and feeling love doesn't mean not having boundaries or setting limits that's right wasn't until he started school and getting a little bit older that I saw how that hurt him because now when we do set limits and boundaries when we're trying to right now we're trying to self-correct all the damage we did (laughs) when he was younger because we see the outcome isn't helping him at all and you know what I think it really started when we started teaching him about consent and that no means no and you have to ask people's permission to touch them and so on and so forth and I thought oh I didn't do that and we've previously talked about this how your husband actually stepped in and said no your mom said no when he was wrestling with you and being mm-hmm. aggra- like a little bit aggressive no, I'm not saying like he was being super aggressive yeah, or yeah. I'm saying he was wrestling with you and getting a little bit you know yeah he's trying to pull me down he was trying to overpower me and although he's seven he's very strong yeah and he was overpowering me and that's when that my little red flags went up and I'm just thinking oh th- this isn't okay yeah. because he knows now and you were saying stop no and he wasn't listening and it took your husband stepping in for him to stop yes that's right he he stopped and then my husband was right next to him and before I could even set in to say what just happened or to make it a learning experience I was really thankful that partner was able to step in and explain that you know she said no and when she says no you stop yeah in regards to your partner Do you feel like he naturally set boundaries and it was, or does does he have no boundaries too? He doesn't have boundaries either because he grew up that way Mm -hmm. and he also lets our baby like hit him. You know, when babies like kind of slap your head or like Mm -hmm. um, scratch your face, he kind of just lets him do it. Or when they're teething and they bite really hard, my partner will let him do it and he'll like, his face will be all scrunched up and he's still just lets him. And I'm like, you're teaching him because I don't let him do that because I know better now the second time around. And you're teaching him that he can just, that you're not really a human. You're just a thing. 
thing that mm-hmm. he can just. And so how Whereas will he ever know? Whereas you've seen that you need to implement these rules and these limits. Yeah. Not rules, sorry, but limits early on. He yeah. didn't really learn that. And now, he, now like, you're backpedaling now with yes. Liam. You don't want to backpedal later That's with right. Magnus. I know better. <laughs> yeah. What it sounds like is that your husband grew up in a very permissive household. Now, I don't know if everybody knows, but there's kind of uh, two... There's more than two, but two polar opposites to the idea of boundaries. There's permissive parents. Permissive parents are ones that hate setting limits. Uh, They just don't like it when their child gets frustrated or upset. They don't want to incite a tantrum. And they don't want their child to be angry with them. So they kind of don't set limits and they let their child do as they please and make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. The problem is toddlers are not capable of making decisions. And I, you know what? I'll say it. Neither are 16-year-olds, okay? No one is... I don't even think I am fully (laughs) capable of making decisions. Some better than others. (laughs) Definitely not children. Well, and then the other other option Opposite, like I said, there's two, they're polar opposites ideas, is the authoritative, sorry, the authoritarian parenting, and that is kind of the household I grew up in, and I believe the household you probably grew up in. Yes, I did. Which is the, these are my rules, you follow my rules, you do as I say, when I say jump, you say how high kind yes. of mentality. Each of these have different negative reactions to them. Mm -hmm. Now, you were saying with permissive parenting, you've noticed a few things with Liam. What are some of the things that you've noticed that can be detrimental in being a permissive parent? Well, I think I am a permissive, or was a permissive parent because I came from an authoritative home. I was going to say, me too. Which is really interesting that you tend to create the opposite effect. But with Liam, because I was permissive of everything and I didn't say no to him, when he started hearing no or having to follow rules such as in preschool and school, it really affected him deeply because he is also a very sensitive child. He took it as a personal attack on him when no is healthy. One of the things they were saying about permissive parenting is that they can't tolerate frustration and they can't manage themselves. Yes. And a lot of people are like, he's frustrated. I want to stop this. But frustration is good. Yes. Frustration allows them to work through what they're thinking and feeling and, you know, not and not have somebody resolve it for them. I see now because Liam gets really frustrated and um, has anxiety attacks over it. If I would have implemented a more balanced discipline, more discipline Structured. structure, thank you. In our house, he would have been able to find his own tools to manage those frustrations, which, like you said, are totally natural feelings. Mm -hmm. But now, because he only experienced them later in his childhood, yeah, it's really almost traumatic for him. He wasn't able to build up his toolbox to handle these such big emotions Mm -hmm. from an early age. So that's where I see I did a big disservice to him. Often children who come from permissive parents are called spoiled. Oh, God. These are the parents who are producing the spoiled children, the entitled children. I've I've been accused of spoiling, even from my mom who loves me and him so much. And I just want to be very, 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 very clear. You cannot love your child too much. You cannot give your child too much affection, although Jackie, <laughs> Jackie has admitted that she thinks she's too affectionate with her child. 
But what I'm saying is that I, we are not, when we're talking about boundaries, we're not talking about, you know, not breastfeeding on demand That's and right. stuff like That's that. Right. Those are not, we are attachment parent parents. Mm-hmm. And a, the problem is, is a lot of attachment parenting people and websites and discussions often talk about how limits don't, don't have a place in there, but that's not true. And we're going to tell you why later, but right now we're focusing on permissive and authoritarian parents. But I just wanted to pause and take a moment to say that we are not saying that you have to love your child or less limit the hugs. Or, or limit the hugs. That's not, that's not the case at all. In fact, it's actually quite the opposite. And that's we're right. going to touch on why that is. Because they're such two different things. They're right? very much so. And I also wanted to touch on, you said discipline when you were saying structure mm-hmm. and it's not discipline. Limits is not discipline and it's not a punishment and we need to stop looking at it like it's a punishment you know it's interesting that you say that because discipline and punishments are in my view two different things discipline comes from i think the latin word meaning disciple and disciple to teach teach Mm -hmm. and to guide so really when we say discipline we use it as um, a different term than what it actually means originally. I think it's great that you clarified that because honestly, discipline to me sounds punishment in yes. my brain and I'm glad that you clarified where you were Yeah, so maybe for this podcast forward, we'll discuss discipline as more of a guiding, coaching. It's not a punishment. Not a punishment. Those will be two different things, I okay, think. Okay, great. So back to authoritarian parenting, some of the negative connotations that come along with that kind of parenting is that these children often don't do well later on because they're not able to make their own decisions. If you're constantly telling your child what to do, how to do it, when to do it, they cannot make their own decisions. I've totally seen that in action, so that completely makes sense. Which means that when they get to, say, high school, they don't have the ability to think for themselves or Mm -hmm. make good decisions Mm -hmm. or make the right friends. They're going to align themselves with friends that are going to tell them what to do and they're mm-hmm. going to go along with it. Yeah, because they won't know how to say, no, I'm not doing that. You know, when you align yourselves with friends like that, you're you're around bullies or you're around victims and unfortunately that is when you're going to be more prone to depression. You're going to be more prone to self-harm. You're going to be more prone to committing crimes and stuff like mm-hmm. that because you're if you're a follower and you're not a thinker and you can't make your own decisions, it's going to be detrimental to your child's health and well-being, which is why, you know, that a rule with an iron fist mm-hmm. often backfires and you have children who, you know, rebel and they rebel by yeah. aligning themselves with the wrong children. It seems children like really the spectrum either on either side, the far right or the far left, really does some damage yeah. in the long run. Well, it, it, I found this article on, it was called ahaparenting.com and it does talk about uh, these aspects of parenting and talks about limits and how we really need to find the sweet spot between yeah, permissive how do we find and authoritarian the parenting. Balance in between. That's so well, hard. I'm going to read you a little bit of thing, a little bit of thing here. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to read you a little clip from what they say, the sweet spot between permissive and authoritarian parenting. Oh, cool. There is a middle ground that works. Research shows that children develop optimally when we set limits as necessary, but we do so with empathy. Empathy makes your limit more palatable to your child, so she doesn't resist it as much. That's what allows her to internalize it. Kids need appropriate limits, but it's how you do it that counts. This is awesome. Yeah. This is exactly what we're talking about when we were saying, we took a moment to pause and say, you know, whatever. This isn't about not showing your love. It's actually showing your child more love. It's showing your child Mm -hmm. empathy and understanding. 
Just and like, we do that because it's easy, you know, permissive parenting, it's easier to, to just step give back. your child. Yeah, and that was, I was so tired, and everything was so new and hard, and it was just easier to give him what he wanted, mm -hmm. and so I get how some people could say, oh, they're being spoiled because you are giving them everything, but I could really see how that that worked um, against us in the long run, but I love this for balance. So they did give a few points as to how um, limit setting with empathy looks. So here are a few points. Start with strong supportive connection with your child. So they need to know that you're on their side. And this isn't really going to work if you don't have that connection with your child. Mm -hmm, so if true. you're an authoritarian parent and you want to change the way that you're raising your child, mm -hmm. you're going to need to do a lot of work investing in showing your child empathy and listening to how your child's reacting because empathy and authoritarian, it doesn't, they don't really go hand because in hand. Because when you're an authoritative figure, it is you versus them. Yeah. It is not both of you figuring it out or you really being on their side at all. It is a line drawn in the sand. And I've, I mean, I grew up in an authoritarian household and it was very much stop crying, stop talking, go to your room, you know, yeah. it wasn't, you know, you weren't allowed to have your rainbow of emotions right. and empathy with limits is about embracing that rainbow of emotions, allowing them to feel it, That's acknowledging their emotions and mm -hmm. how they feel. I love the idea that they are supporting every feeling because so many times, I don't know about you, but when I was younger and I would get really mad and angry, mm -hmm. you were told not to feel that way. Don't, mm -hmm. don't feel like that. But oh, anger like that. is a very natural emotion. And totally. the thing is about when you tell your child stop freaking out about it mm -hmm. don't get so mad about it stop oh, crying yeah, yeah. those emotions they don't go away right. they get shoved down deep inside them and they surface when they're they, when they snap and yeah. you want a child that is free to express their emotions and you don't want them feeling ashamed of those mm -hmm. emotions that's a part of who they are when you tell your child stop crying or you're overreacting or you don't you shouldn't be angry about this mm -hmm. you're basically telling them there's a part of them that is wrong. Is wrong, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they may grow to be ashamed mm -hmm. of. I totally was like that. I was in a very don't cry, don't be happy household. Oh, and I even, even though I practice and try my best, I have heard myself say that to my son, mm -hmm. Liam. Like, that's not a big deal. You're so upset. It's not a big deal. And I'm just trying to like, because he gets so upset. And But that's how he is now. And you yeah. say it to me all the time. You say, Liam is so sensitive. Mm -hmm. He's so sensitive because of how you raised <laughs> yes, him. Yes, I know. Like, and so, yeah, you're backpedaling now and you're trying to correct your mistakes. Yeah. We'll say mistakes because we all yeah, make mistakes. Definitely. Yeah. And, I mean, I make mistakes with Timber all the time, but I'm trying. And we're, right, and we're all just trying. trying. You know, cool. and we're so lucky now because we have resources, so resources like this. Like, totally. my mom was married at 16 and had three kids by the age of 20. Oh, she didn't have, like, a, the internet to say, hey, don't do that. Totally. You know, she didn't have a parent saying, if anything, they were being advised all the horrible things. So, God help us, how did we even survive? You I know? don't know how they did it, honestly. I don't. And, I mean, maybe that's why it was such an authoritarian uh, environment. Maybe mm -hmm. that's why it was so punitive. Maybe that's why I was punished and, and hit. And that was natural for them mm -hmm. because they didn't know about, you know, setting limits and <laughs> yeah. about attachment parenting. and, and you Respecting know, like, your child. Yeah, respecting your child. It wasn't a thing 
thing. Yeah. And that's one of the big points right here is resist the temptation to be punitive in any way. That like which means don't it's this isn't a punishment. Setting the limit teaches the lesson anything more and it's gonna backfire. Which means say you're at the park and your child is being aggressive on the slide and pushing kids down the slide and you say you know, you can't do that. You need, to, you cannot push other children. Mm -hmm. If you keep pushing other children, we are going to have to leave. Yeah. You might have to drag your child away from yeah. the, the park. That is not a punishment. That's, That's a limit. Right. If they keep pushing other children, you take them and you say, I can't let you hurt other children. That's right. And until you learn, you know, like that we will continue to leave the mm -hmm. park when you push other mm -hmm. children. And the thing is, is a lot of parents will have it in them to be like, we're never going to the park right. again, yes. you know, like, and you're and not having a treat for dessert right. and They're... you're not, you're going straight to your room when we yeah. get home. The removal from the park, the teaching them was that they the can, yes, was the teaching moment. Anything extra is just going to cause them to knee jerk into resentment. resentment. Exactly. And then you're not showing them empathy. That's I right. know you really wanted to stay at the park. That's right. I know you really wanted to go down that slide. Yeah. I know I that it. it's tough waiting. Trust yeah. me. I wait in the line at the bank. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to push those people out of the way. Yeah. But we can't because we respect others. We respect right. ourselves and right. it's just not. Yeah. Anything more than that just seems a little bit like you're letting your emotions get the better of mm -hmm. you and now you're just punishing your child. And it is. And it comes down to punishment. And mm -hmm. where does punishment come from? It comes from frustration. Mm-hmm. We punish because mm -hmm. we're frustrated, and my parents punish because they were frustrated. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when it's I like got the release. wooden spoon. I remember oh, when yeah, I got too. the belt. My mom yeah. would work a whole day, and she'd come home, and the boys were acting up, and my room was the second room, and by the time she hit my room, she was fed <laughs> up. Yeah. And, like, that was it, you yeah. know? And it was a yeah. snap. My room was messy. I would My drawers would be emptied onto my bed. I'd be up until 1 putting it away. Oh, my God. I'd, be, I'd get the lick of that belt across my thigh. Oh. Oh my you know, God. like, and those were reactions because yeah. she was frustrated. She was overworked. Tired, she was yeah. tired. She was unhappy. I always just wanted my parents to be happy. My mm -hmm. parents were not happy people. Mm -hmm. I know that, and like, that bothers me so much. But it was so hard. Six children? Are you kidding me? Who's gonna be happy? Well, that's not true. There's but you know, people, but... there, really, in the end, too, there isn't an excuse for that no, kind of bullshit. It isn't, but, but it's but not. I get, but you know, us trying to understand we them is how we also learn from them as well. So we thank you to all the parents, good or bad, who because I, I think we're I better know, off because uh, of it. Because I was raised that way, I know that I will never hit yeah, Timber. Yeah. I will never beat him with right. a, a, a belt. <laughs> right. I will never. And yeah. his drawers out on because I know yeah. how it felt and it and made it, you who you are today and it sucked you yeah. know it sucked and I know that we've discussed this before about how I have a knee-jerk reaction to get violent mm -hmm. when Me I'm too. angry and it's something yeah. that I need to, to curb and that's where our own limits come mm -hmm. into play recognizing where we're going emotionally and yeah. shutting it down yeah before it gets to the point where we're grabbing them and you know Spank, like slapping their thigh to like get them or whatever. Well, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And and not saying that we do that, but I'm saying that there's yeah, that, like, there's that like a, teeth clenching moment. Yeah, or just, I mean, I remember at the beginning, like putting my hand up. Not that I would ever actually go through with it, but it was a reaction because I was spanked as a child. It was my intention to do it, even if I didn't want that to be a thing. And that's when I recognized that I have to set my own boundaries and limits myself. And a big thing with children is I reacted to anger 
as a child, I was afraid of my parents. I'm still afraid of my parents. My mom's probably going to listen to this and I'm going to cry when she phones me. But I'm saying is that I was afraid of my parents and it was fear-based. It was a fear-based parenting technique. And I want Timber not to be afraid of me, mm-hmm. but, you know, to not want to disappoint me. And that doesn't, that sounds wrong. As soon as it came out, I was like, oh, respect that sounds wrong. You. But to respect me and everybody else. Yes. I want pe- I don't want him to hurt hurt other people mm-hmm. and, and I want him to navigate not out of fear mm-hmm. but out of respect. And I think that's really what it comes down to in regards to uh, empathy and setting limits. One of the other points is to see it from their point of view. So really set the limits you really need to set. Don't set unnecessary limits. And mm-hmm. that's the problem I find with a lot of parents is they have a lot of unnecessary limits. And I always say this to Mark. I say, choose your battle. Mm-hmm. Is this the battle you want today? <laughs> like, is this the lesson he really needs to learn? Right. You know? Yes. And I mean, I feel the same way. Like, he was mixing the Play-Doh. I'd made Play-Doh. Yeah. And he was mixing the Play-Doh. And I was like, <laughs> don't mix the Play-Doh. <laughs> I made it. And then I saw scratch. it. But I saw it from his point of view. Yeah. Because what Play-Doh does he deserves care? To be mixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, it's funny because I used to always say that to my partner and sometimes my mom because they would say, oh, he shouldn't. And I'm like... Does it really matter? Is this really a big deal? Or do I feel it's a big deal because society says your kid can't hit the fence along the with a stick while you walk along it? You know what I mean? And like, why can't you? And why not? And or, so, or don't snap the branches exactly, when you're walking in the exactly. woods. Exactly. Why not? I just remember at, from the beginning thinking, well, why? Why Why is that? I mean, is it really a big deal? Yeah. I don't know. In, in regards to unnecessary limits... Remember that these are lessons that you're teaching. You're not just setting limits for a power. This isn't mm-hmm. about control. Limits right. aren't about control. So it doesn't matter if he wants to wear two different color socks. It doesn't matter if he wants mm-hmm. to wear his pajama shirt. Mm-hmm. Then Timber often leaves the house in his pajamas because he wants to wear his pajamas. Right, because who cares? Care. Yeah. yeah, nobody cares. We know what necessary mm-hmm. limits are. Safety. Is he safe? Are others safe? These are non-negotiable as the aha parenting website said we want to protect them and we want to keep them safe and we don't want them to die so Mm -hmm. we those are non-negotiable limits Uh, and also like treating others how we want to be treated with respect obviously there's going to be different age groups Mm -hmm. jackie's gonna let you know how this kind of looks with setting limits in regards to age groups right you have yeah yeah i just thought we would go over some tips on setting boundaries by age because obviously it's a lot different from preschool school age kids to teenagers because teenagers god help them are a whole nother like level of boundaries and attitude so first off i did want to say like i said before you can't really teach children under two something as big of a concept as boundaries From the beginning, we just lead by example. I think that's really the best tool you have to teaching from birth is keeping kindness and respect in mind. Can I just pause you Mm -hmm. for a second? In regards to teaching by leading by example for babies, Mm -hmm. because you were mentioning that, you know, getting your child to embrace their emotions and stuff Mm -hmm. at an early age is really going to be beneficial later Mm -hmm. on when you're teaching limits because Mm -hmm. then they're aware of how anger and frustration feel Mm -hmm. and you're not going to, like, shut them down. So you were saying, you know, even as young as a baby, you know, allowing them to have their moment. Yeah, 
And, and I think that's more leading by example. I guess when I say you can't really teach under the age of two is because I'm not sure how much really sticks. They don't have the, it's um, a front part of their frontal brain. Frontal lobe. Frontal lobe. Yeah, they it's can't, not developed. It's not developed yet. They can't think, oh, well, if I, I do this, if I do this, then that will happen. They, they don't have consequences. That's they right. don't understand They don't understand us. Um, but you can teach them some simple things like consent. At a, at a yeah, very young that's age, very true. you can that's teach them true. how their words or what they they say matter. Respecting their words. And you yeah. can even teach them decision making. At a very young age, I started with Timber asking, do you want a banana? Do you want an mm. apple? And he'd yeah. point to which one he wanted. Or even which shirt do you want or, or okay. whatever. Okay, I take it back. You can teach lots of things to your children from the start <laughs> no, no, I understand what you're saying. You're not teaching them the concept of setting limits. You're teaching them about decision making, and that's quite different. And it, and people think, how am I going to get my child to, uh, uh, one, make decisions? It's, it's really mm -hmm. simple. Do you want oatmeal today? Mm -hmm. Do you want fruit? Do you want toast? Those types mm -hmm. of things. Like, And I know a lot of kids aren't communicative. You would be surprised how effective pointing is right. how effective grunting is right and that really just comes down to one very 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 basic thing listen to your children pay attention to what they're doing so hard to do we're super busy i get it but you have to pay attention to what your child is doing mm -hmm. and reacting because even though timber couldn't say yeah mom i'd love to have cereal at one mm -hmm. he knew how to sign and he knew how to point and mm -hmm. he knew how to grunt you know mm -hmm. he knew how to do i think the main things. difference is, is that you've taken the time to engage him whereas um say another busy mom or three kids working full-time you lose those moments it's easy to lose those moments but taking totally. the time to really engage I... can really harness those connections of decision making and then going to learning boundaries and consent and whatnot. After the age of two, and I, like I was saying, you know, this may not be your belief. I know there's a lot popular belief out there to not say no and to rephrase that into I won't let you or redirection. But I truly believe that teaching or saying no to your child is beneficial to them because we want to teach them to honor those words. No, don't stop. Those are very almost like sacred words and they deserve the attention that they, the same attention that they get as in the adult world. So starting early and saying no and saying don't do that and saying stop that really means to take take a look and focus on what's happening at the moment and really pay attention to that and listen to those words, either it being from your child or from you. I really feel like touching base here and saying not to overuse those words. Like yes. if there's an they opportunity where you can say exactly, yeah. you don't want to desensitize them to the word. You want those words to pack a punch. So when you're saying no and stop, it's for their own safety and it's for, a reason. It's that's not right. just stop opening the fridge. I'm really <laughs> curious if that's where the popular belief, that's how people backtracked from saying no, because a lot of parents do say no 20 times a day. And I wonder if that's where that came from is people hearing the word no too much and saying, maybe let's not say no at all. Let's say I'm not going to let you do that. Or I don't want you doing that. But really it's about finding the middle ground because mm -hmm. no isn't an important word in our vocabulary. And the end result, the end game here is to raise happy, successful adults. They won't be children forever. No. So another thing is to 
don't force your children to show affection. So we've talked about this. You guys have heard this before. This isn't new. It's not cool anymore to have little Timmy force kiss grandma goodbye or to hug another child because we think it's cute or whatnot. So really respecting our children and really listening to them when they don't want to do something. I'm in the reverse problem right now. I have a child that really likes to be affectionate with other children <laughs> and I have to teach him that it's right. not okay to hug other children right. or kiss other children all the time. And, or without asking Or without first. asking. Yeah. And it's hard. He's only two. Mm -hmm. But you know, stopping what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know what? Then every time I stop him, the other parent says, it's fine. Yeah. Just let oh, him. He's so little. Hard. It's not up to me to say to them, Actually, no, I want Timber to be able mm -hmm. to read body language mm -hmm. and understand that, no, your little girl is not okay with right. this. Look at her. She's not okay with yeah. this. I can see she's not yeah. okay with this. <laughs> yeah. He needs to know it's not That's okay. Right. And you need to know it's <laughs> not okay. Totally. You know, maybe even just saying, well, we're learning about body language boundaries. and boundaries right now. So then they're like, oh, maybe I should do that. Yeah. That's how I learn. So I just learn from about, all the other smart parents So out we're there. learning about body language and boundaries right now. And maybe <clears> you should too. So another one is to recognize their feelings when this is actually in regards to that too. When they are scared or sad or a little bit worried or whatnot to really get down on their level and recognize their feelings and you can even call it out and say something like I can see you're really upset right now and discuss it and you know that was a tactic I used for when um, tantrums were going on and my son could not he was in the middle of a tantrum and it was super intense and there was nothing I could really say to him except for describing what I saw so I would say oh I can see your hands are really clenched and um I can see your face is all crunched crunched up and you look very angry and mad are you feeling angry and mad and that was and it just was the only option I couldn't compromise with him I couldn't try to console him so I just did that and it has really helped us and it gives them a um, an introduction to their own feelings and really showing them when they are sad oh that's sad and like them learning what those feelings are and they have names for them also teaching empathy is it really is connected to consent and consent is connected to boundaries so you have to teach empathy it's not something that just happens overnight a way to teach empathy is to begin with not forcing them to say they're sorry so no forced apologies because apologies tend to create resentment because they're not sorry they the they want that toy and they took the toy and they're not sorry that you made them give it back and if you make them say sorry they're gonna connect sorry with the feeling of resentment that's a big one mm -hmm. that's a really big one but for for empathy it, it comes from leading by example to um mm -hmm. Sorry. <sighs> That's a big one. It also is a leading by example, too. If you want your child to be empathetic, if you want your child to care about other children and other people, you need to care about other children and other people, too. And you need to care about them and what they're feeling. So when your child gets hurt or you accidentally hurt your child, <laughs> you saying I'm sorry is one thing, but touching base with them and saying, are you okay? How are you feeling? 
what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Or those are big ones. They're way more important. I mm-hmm. I don't care if Timber apologizes for things. Right. I don't. I'd right. rather him touch base with somebody and be like, "Are you okay? Mm-hmm. What can I do to help you? H- how can we like fix this situation?" Right. And if we can't fix this situation, then I'm sorry. I'll give you your space. Right. Sort of si- situation. Right. right. And I I really think if you teach empathy, the stories are going to come. Yes. I, I believe on. that. I believe that as well. And just showing by example throughout the day when you see a hurt animal and saying like, oh wow, I wonder how that happened. Little things like that. I mean, it's not rocket it's science. It's so funny but- because we went to the beach yesterday and the Deep Bay Beach has a ton of jellyfish that had washed ashore and they're not dead. They, they like the tide comes mm-hmm. in, brings them back out and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be fine. But Timber wanted to poke them cause they're yeah. squishy and yeah. I was like, oh, you can't touch them. They sting, but they are alive. So let's put them back in the water. And he was stoked. So he, he was going along the beach, pointing mm-hmm. to them and I'd take a shell and put them in the water and mm-hmm. he'd watch them swim away and stuff. And it was super fun until the beach. There was a thousand of them on this beach, and he was like, "Mom, another one! Mom, another one!" Oh my like, God. There's so many of them. I'm like, yeah. "We can't possibly save all these yeah. jellyfish. We have to leave." Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, someone else is put, coming. We literally That's put crazy. like fifty back. Yeah, even something as simple as that as helping another animal or child or totally. whatnot. So that's a really good one. Can you think of any other ways to teach empathy? It's as simple as gentle pets when you're petting you know you don't you don't want to hurt them you Mm -hmm. know you say things like you don't want to hurt them we don't like being hurt Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't like being hurt he knows what hurt is Mm -hmm. he knows what an owie is so whatever your uh, verbiage is with your child an owie or ouch or you know like when you see them being aggressive or anything like that you say oh that ouchie you don't we don't want to hurt them you know right so that type of thing or if there's a lot of different, or different also ways. I find when there's conflict between two preschoolers or um, when there's conflict between a group of friends at the playground or at the preschool, and because your kid always like tells you these little like they're little gossipers, you know. So that's a great learning moment there when you hear, oh, Tim uh, pushed Susie down or said um, she her hair was messy or something like that, and you can have that dialogue with your child and say, well, how do you think that made her feel? What what how would you feel if yeah. someone said that? Or like, well, let's talk about that let's unpack that so those are all really great learning moments for the young kids but what about teenagers teenagers it gets more into I think they're lost cause cause. oh god don't say that no I know what I mean is if you haven't taught your child empathy or they haven't you know here's the thing they reach I think it is a never-ending lesson it is a never-ending lesson but let's say you haven't invested the time in teaching your child and then and then you no, want them I to I be disagree. as a teenager I think How are it's you never teach that because it's never too it's late. a lifelong process it is exactly it's a lifelong process for everybody and I n- I don't believe it's too late for anybody a 40 year old man or a 14 year old obviously I'm joking when I say teenagers <laughs> are vital. I mean they are I for like teenagers age 9 quite frankly, to 15. Quite frankly, <laughs> I, horrible. I love teenagers. I always have. Because yeah, you have a really good repertoire with teenagers. And it's because 
I'm frank with them and I'm honest with them mm-hmm. and I've never had a problem handling. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten attitude from teenagers. Yeah. But I, I pro- hold yeah. myself in a very different way than a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a very no-nonsense way about me. Yeah, well, they seem to respect you, so. Well, and I can, and honestly, calling teenagers on their shit. I am not afraid to say something to teenagers. Mm-hmm. If I see uh, two teenagers at the side of the road on their bikes and one of them looks uncomfortable, I am going to pull my truck over and say, hey, is everything okay here? Mm-hmm. And then give them a little stare. And if they say yes, you know, and, and there's been times where they've been like, uh, you know, like that one kid, right. you can tell when there's yeah. a situation going on. And if you're afraid to step to some teenagers, yeah. how are you going to step to some adults? <laughs> yeah. I guess the thing is, is you have to be willing to call your teenagers on their shit and you can't facilitate their bad behaviors. I find the, this moms that want to be friends with their kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say moms because I don't find dads doing it nearly as much. They want to be BFFs with their friends. You're a parent first and foremost. And if your daughter comes home bitching about some other girl at mm-hmm. school, you don't mm-hmm. trash talk that other girl with right. her. You shut that shit down. Or you, and you and you teach empathy. Yeah. You say, okay, I, Carly smells. Mm-hmm. And she's not wearing deodorant. What can you do to help or her? Or why do you think that is? What is the source that do you think maybe her home life isn't yeah, as rosy as yours totally. or whatnot? I do, do you find think, uh, th- th- she doesn't have new clothes or whatever. Right. Maybe she can't afford deodorant. Mm-hmm. Do you want to buy her mm-hmm. some deodorant? And I'm not saying buy her some deodorant, tape it to her locker and write stinky pig. Here yeah, you go. Yeah. I'm talking about pulling her aside saying, hey, look. Yeah. Some of the girls were talking, and I, I like you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that mm-hmm. you're a cool person, you mm-hmm. know, and I just want you to be whatever. Here's yeah. some deodorant. Yeah. I want you to be safe, and I want you... Friendships come from all different places. I guarantee you, and I hope there's some... I hope there's some teenagers watching this. And I can tell them that the friendships you have in high school, very unlikely that you're going to be friends with them later on in life. They're going to piss you off. I guarantee you. I do do see this with dads and their sons and kind of that, oh, 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 going on a date. Buddy, buddy, buddy. Buddy, That's the only other time I see dads really doing that. You said teenagers, and I really think breaking down the stigma of uh, stereotypes surrounding, especially boys, in regards to being manly, not having emotions and stuff, that really needs to start younger. But your teenager needs to be able to express themselves, express themselves themselves to you and if you're empathetic towards your teenager I I fully believe they're going to be empathetic towards I agree I agree like I said I really do believe that it is a learning process forever and ever and really what we're doing is just giving our children the tools to process all of this once they become adults and not living at home but I did want to touch base on some tips for teens on creating teaching boundaries rather so don't when you are interested in your teen's life hopefully (laughs) try not to pry so so respect the boundaries that they will naturally set up. Obviously, this is very difficult when your teenager is totally shut off. And we we can all remember when we were younger and our we didn't feel like our parents knew anything about us or got us. And the you world don't was against us. Yeah, me. the world was against don't us. Know what and it's we like. were hibernating in our room or Dude, not want to come home. Though? I don't know what it's like for kids these days. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have fucking imagined. But the core the core feelings that you felt as a teenager are still valid today. And so another one is... Remember how out of, like, out of their element you thought your parents were? (laughs) That's how out of the element you are to your children. Yeah, it's so true. But I remember just thinking, oh, my parents are so dumb. They don't know. One of the things that you really touched on there is being involved. I, you, mm-hmm. I feel like you really have to be involved you in your really teenager's do. life. I'm not saying you need to pry. I'm not saying you need to pick them up and drop them off at school. I'm talking about having family meals. I'm That's talking right. about and having family times, outings, and 
my friend Rebs, she came from a very involved family and she hated it in the moment. She did. There were family trips where there were pictures of her arms cross pouting the whole time Mm -hmm. when she was a teenager. But now she'll tell you those were the best times and her parents forced her to be involved in the family and and it was beneficial for her. Honestly, I remember back being a teenager and just instantly pushing my dad away or not calling my mom back or whatever. But remember feeling so loved at the same time Mm -hmm. when they would reach for hugs. So don't listen to them. They love it. Give them some love, but don't pry. So if they really are letting you know that they don't want to talk about something, that just means they don't want to talk right at that moment. And you need to respect that. That sends up a flag though, because you really need to be aware just because your kid doesn't want to talk about it if doesn't mean they might not need If signs of depression, help. if they have a exactly. change in an attitude, yep. you need to investigate. And I am not, I'm not against going on your kid's computer. I will have the passwords to all of Liam's things. Oh, dude. I will do some major checkup. You should have malware set up on your computer to take away any search words. In the, and, you know, we should really do another episode on that about um, internet safety and teenagers in general. It is a huge topic and there's so much I to cannot- cover. I believe the amount of teenagers that are taking slutty pictures and posting them on Instagram. I am horrified. And that's, that is really where I'm coming from in regards to teens and stuff. There's so much pressure to be beautiful, likable, you know, and I am absolutely baffled by this need for outward validation that is so prominent and it was like when I was in school yeah I wanted my friends to like me four or five people I do not care <laughs> like I didn't want thousands of people to like me yeah. but that's where it's coming but from but that was now. you. you you know that was, and it was your a different experience day and age. we didn't have the internet like we we were right. like beep boop beep boop boop and I'm like yeah I'm not doing this shit okay <laughs> but I think about but how your ex- experience is unique to you and everyone has a vast variety of experiences totally. and what they need for validation I really think so if you guys think we should do an episode dedicated to teenagers Majors, write in and tell us what your major concerns are and what you'd like us to cover. I'll just quickly go over some of these other tips about setting boundaries on teens. So <laughs> answer questions. It's so funny. Once your kids are teenagers, you're so thankful when they ask you a question because when they're little, they ask a million questions and you want them to stop asking, but then they stop talking to you when, when they're older. So if you're lucky enough to have your teenager actually ask your opinion or about something or that you, you don't, help. or come to you for ding, help, ding, ding, oh my, you won the, you won the lottery. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so answer, just make sure you answer them really honestly, but without going and crossing over a boundary line. So let's say if, I mean, hopefully they know what sex is and how that happens, but if they ask you something about, uh, so-and-so said that they gave John a blowjob, what is that exactly? Explain what a blowjob is. Blowjob is oral sex. It's when a woman sucks on a man's penis yes and that's it you don't need to go into you shouldn't be doing it or (laughs) yeah or there was this time that i gave my boyfriend and yes uh, those are crossing um emotional boundaries as they say your child doesn't need to hear about your experiences with a blowjob (laughs) or what else you can do with a penis answer their questions honestly and then leave it at that and they are more likely to come to you when they have another question and you've also really set up a major emotional boundary and they'll respect that in the end and also again always teaching no means no just because we've had this talk with our preschoolers or school age kids doesn't mean we stop when they're teenagers 
teenagers. It is a constant battle because the dynamic changes. Thanks. So when they're teenagers, it's more likely that they'll be at a social gathering where drinking or drugs will be involved. And you need to look at them and ask them those tough questions. What does boundaries or consent look like in this setting here? When someone's drinking, when you've been drinking, how can you tell if someone's had too much to drink? How can you tell if somebody wants to be kissed? If how you're making you out with your girlfriend... That you've made out a hundred times before. Is it okay to keep making out with her if she's pulling away from you? Or passed out. Or passed out. And if you've had too much to drink, how will you know that what you want? So those are really important things. And when someone, when you ask someone if, if they want to have sex or they want to make out and they don't say anything or they say maybe, that does not mean That's not yes. yes. That means I don't know. I'm not sure. You need a solid yes, and that yes can be revoked at any time. I hope you find these tips helpful, and you can write them out and just explain them in your own words. And, you know, comply with your own values. If your values for your family is marriage, then sex, that's that's you. That's totally fine. If you're religious and you are sex, no sex before marriage, that doesn't align with T and I views, but we are totally respectful of everybody's That said, values. keep in mind that they might not be your child's values. That's a good point. That's a really your good values point. Your values may not be your child's values. Just because you're religious or just because you believe abstinence is the key might not be how your child and, feels. And that's not the experience that they're having at school. Yeah. Just because these things are risque or, or they may they may be something new to you, you can adapt these into your family values. The important thing here is to have the conversation, no matter how hard it is. A lot of people feel like they don't want to share the information for fear that they'll be presenting something new to their child. Mm -hmm. I'm going to 100% tell you that you're not presenting something they new to your child. They say by the age of 13, your child should know about everything. They should. They should know. Like the, the anal. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Oh, dear. It's because they're going to see it online or they're going to hear about it. And I heard this story about this girl was her mom... Her, her daughter came home really upset and she said she was with a, a group of girls that, or that she wanted to befriend. They're really popular. And they told her, if you go and give that guy a blow job, you, you can hang out with us. And she said, okay, because her daughter didn't, this was know in junior high. She didn't was. know what a blow job was. She thought it was a kiss of some sorts and she came home and it was horrible. So that's why we need to teach our kids what they mean, what these things are. They, they're not blind. They're not she walking also around. She needs to learn that those girls were sexually harassing her. Of course. Her. Yes. And that, that is, is totally not acceptable. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening guys. <laughs> and, and again, write in and let us know your questions concerns or comments our next podcast will be in two weeks and who knows what we're going to end up talking about mm, who, who knows, knows? <laughs> we're all over the map i really appreciate everybody who has taken the time to listen to subscribe to review us on itunes that's a big one and oh, yes. to follow us on facebook people we have like 50 people <laughs> on facebook but you're us. all lovely 56 56 lovely people but yeah. we would like to grow our village if you and have reach more people so share us comment that's right. like that's right thank you all right see you next time bye bye i think empathy is kindness i agree they go hand in hand i like that that's yeah. nice it's cool to be kind it i tell is cool that to all be the kind time. it's like 
I it, like that. Be kind because there's enough meanness in this world. <laughs> totally. Like, 